0: Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Circe Podcast. If you'd like to get connected to what God is doing at the Circe campus, you can text the word Circe to 88000. There you can give online, get connected to a life group, find your place in a serve team, and so much more. You can also find today's message notes in the YouVersion Bible app. Just tap the link in the episode description to follow along during the sermon and save notes directly to your phone. Now prepare your hearts to hear a great word from God today. Well, good morning, New Life Church. They're wake over here. Good morning, New Life Church. <laughs> Man, hey, it's really good to get to be with you. Uh, like you just said, I haven't had a chance to meet most of you, most of you but uh, my name is Nate. Uh, my lovely wife, Jamie, and I have the awesome privilege of being a part of the team at Conway. And uh, it is really, it's always so cool to get to be at another New Life Church campus. I don't know if you've ever gotten to attend another one, but if you haven't, I would challenge you to go. Tell Kevin I gave you permission to do that <laughs> because it's so cool, just the, the culture of our church and walking into another campus and seeing how it really does feel the same everywhere you go across the state. So thank you so much for letting me be hanging out with you today. And I gotta tell you for just a second before we go to the word, like how much I love your pastor. Uh, Kevin has become a really great friend of mine over the last several years. And we spent a lot of time together in meetings and all this kinds of stuff. And then he even, you know, we went to Nashville together, him and another friend of ours uh, back in in March. And we gave him a hard time for like 48 hours straight. It was a lot of fun. So y'all know how good Kevin is at taking stuff like that. So, <laughs> I mean, I really do love your pastor. Do you guys love your pastor around here? All right. Yeah. Good. Good deal. Awesome. Well, we have four kids. My wife and I brought a picture today to show you off my family. It's wife approved. So, you know, ladies, y'all know what that means. Um, We have four kids. Ethan who's with me here today. And then Jonathan, uh, Matthew and Anna. Our kids are 10, 7, 5 and 3. So if I seem a little crazy while I'm up here, that's part of it. (laughs) The other part of it is I'm an educated hillbilly. So that accounts for the rest of it. But um, man, so. So one day, not too terribly long ago, I think like three, three months or so ago, my oldest son, Ethan, who's with me here today, he comes up to me uh, and he says, Daddy, I have some bad news. And I thought that he was going to tell me, you know, something that no parent ever wants to hear, you know, something like, I don't love you anymore, or let's go play golf. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry. No offense to you golfers. <laughs> no, he, I was like, what is it, buddy? Because he's got this super serious look on his face. And he was like, I left my library book at school. You know, I was really relieved because I thought he had something devastating to say. But in his world, in Ethan's world, this was bad news. So thank God for the innocence of kids, right? Well, then a few weeks ago, Jamie and I, we had this guy come over to to our house um, to look at our house because we're getting ready to sell or Actually, it's up for sale now because we're trying to move to Conway. And this guy, he asked me while he's at the house, he says, do you want the bad news or the really bad news? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. He didn't really say that. That would have been terrible. Uh, but what he did say, though, is what we're used to hearing in a conversation like this. He said, hey, do you want the good news or do you want the bad news? And I'm sure a lot of us have heard that. Uh, but what about you? Think about that for just a second. Which do you like to hear first? Do you like to hear the good news first or the bad news first? It's kind of a no-brainer probably for most of us. Like, who wants to hear the good news and then leave on a bad note? Um, If your neighbor raised their hand when I said that, lean over to them, tell them, I have some bad news for you. You're weird. (laughs) No, actually, they already know. Uh, (laughs) Listen, the truth is, this is no surprise to any of us in here, we we know we all live in a world that is full of bad news, like, all the time. And, And sometimes, unfortunately, when bad news hits our life, it splits our life into two parts. For example, in my my family's life. Uh, There was life in our family before my nephew passed away, life in our family after my nephew passed away. Uh, There was life like before my brother got cancer, life after my brother got cancer. Sometimes bad news just changes things for you. So the question I would put to you that I want you to think about for just a second this morning is, what bad news came into your life and changed things for you? What changed things for you? Maybe it was a lost loved one. Maybe it was a, like a terrible diagnosis. Perhaps for some of you it was finding out that someone you deeply, deeply loved betrayed you. But the truth is that bad news, it can shake us to our core. It's personal. It's tragic. It's real. And and terrible things, they happen all over the world on a daily basis. But it's not the end of the story. Aren't you glad that's not the end of the story? And and bad news, really, it always boils down to one of three things when bad news comes our way, okay? Something was stolen, like property, property, or an opportunity, something was killed, like a person, or a group, or a dream, or or something was destroyed, like a natural disaster, or Johnny Depp's acting career. (laughs) But when when something is, is stolen, or killed, or destroyed, it can be devastating, it can be a tragedy, but it's not the end of the story. Listen, we serve the God of good news, amen? In fact, the Greek word for evangelist, you know, like a preacher, the Greek word for for that is evangelion. Now I am a hillbilly, so I don't know if I said that right, but that word it literally means good news. Good news. And recently, all across the state, we started this series going through the gospel of Matthew called Good News. Matthew's gospel, it is the book of good news. And today, what I want to do, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 9. If you have your Bible or your app, it'll be on the screens too in just a minute. We're going to check out Matthew chapter 9 today because today I want to teach you why Matthew wrote the gospel, his gospel. Because beyond just having like a historical account of the work of Jesus, Matthew wrote his gospel because the good news was deeply personal to him. It was incredibly personal. See, Matthew, he'd experienced a lot of bad things in his life, and then he met Jesus. And Matthew discovered this truth that we want to hang on to today. Jesus changes everything. Jesus changes everything. In fact, look at your neighbor and tell him Jesus changes everything. All right, I'm making sure you all with me. Now, Matthew, he even staked his very life on this idea, as tradition has it in church history, that he went on to be martyred for the gospel. He gave his life for the gospel. He was killed because he believed this so fundamentally that Jesus changes everything. So we're going to look at this story. We're going to pick it up in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Let's start right there. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew did what? He got up and he followed him. Now, if you're familiar with Scripture and you've read the Gospels, you may remember that Mark and Luke, in their Gospels, they call this guy Matthew that we're talking about today, they call him a different name. They call him what? They call him Levi in their Gospels. There's a lot of theologians out there that believe because it was so common back then for someone to have a Greek name and a Jewish name that their Greek name they would have used a lot like a first name like we use today. And their Jewish name a lot of the time was used almost like a surname or a last name, that it was a family name. That when they called him Levi, they could have been referring to him because he came from the tribe of, of Levi, like the Levites. In other words, like if that's true, he would have been a descendant of the people who were intended to take spiritual care of the people. If that's true, that makes the fact that he was a tax collector, also called a publican. No, not a republican, all right? No, it was a title for tax collectors, meaning he was contracted by the Romans to to take up taxes in Capernaum. They would give him like a set amount of money to collect. But the thing about tax collectors is that they often overcharged beyond what they were supposed to, and they kept the difference. So these guys were loaded. They were wealthy because they were crooked. So tax collectors, they were seen as betrayers and traitors. They were called the chief embodiment of sinners amongst their people. If all of this is true, and Matthew really was a Levite, as many theologians believe, the fact that he had swapped being a priest for collecting taxes was a big deal. Like in modern terms, he traded being a pastor for working for the mob, like shaking people down. Like he'd gone from hurting, or from helping people to hurting people. But with two words, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, Jesus changed everything. What did Jesus say to him? Follow me. Follow me. And Matthew did. Jesus changes everything. The good news changes everything. And if you're taking notes this morning, I want to challenge you to write this idea down. If you're taking notes, write down, when you follow Jesus, he restores who you were meant to be. When you follow Jesus, he restores who you were meant to be. Let's keep reading. Verse 10 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And here's a question for us. Have you ever wondered why God did something? You ever wonder why God does the things that he does? Like, that's an innocent enough question if we're curious, right? But these guys weren't curious. They were accusing. They were questioning Jesus' very motives when his motives was, were very simple. He saw people who needed the good news. Church, is there anybody here today who needs some good news? I know we all do in our lives. In verse 12, it says, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. And then he quotes the Old Testament prophet Hosea to them. You can find what he says in Hosea chapter 6. He says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, what does bad news say when it speaks into our life? When bad news speaks into our life, it says, hey, you are irredeemable. But when the good news speaks into our life, what does it say? It says, you are redeemed. When the bad news speaks into our life, it says, you are a discarded sinner. But the good news calls you a son of or a daughter. When the bad news says, hey, you know, you're lost, the good news says, no, follow me. And when the bad news speaks into our life, bad news shows up in our life and says, hey, this is how things are going to be now. But Jesus, the good news, man, when he shows up, he says, I can change it. Follow me, and I will restore who you were meant to be. That was Matthew's personal experience with Jesus. And so it makes the rest of this chapter that we're about to look at so absolutely fascinating. And and you know, we, most of the time in the American church, especially we focus on the cross and the resurrection and eternal life with him and the hope and all that kind of stuff. And that's all true. That's absolutely true, but you can't miss this. We cannot miss this. The good news of the gospel is for now. The good news is for now, for right now, Like, you don't have to wait until everything is a train wreck to experience the good news of Jesus. Yes, he absolutely will redeem your worst day, but you can experience the fruit of a good life with him right now. And Matthew, he became convinced of that by what he saw. He saw things that were so incredible that he had to write them down. Like, what would you do if you saw something just completely unexplainable happen? Yes, we see bad things happen all the time, but we see some pretty amazing stuff happen every day too, don't we? Like, we can't overlook that. What if you saw a miracle? What if you saw a miracle take place right before your eyes? Look, New Life Church, we still believe God does miracles. For example, I was with, I've been to Guatemala a bunch, and back in about 2014, I, w- I was there. We were doing this uh, event on a street corner, do some outreach right there on the street, and we had our sound system connected and all this kind of stuff. And the whole area we were in lost electricity, and our sound system kept working without electricity until the closing prayer of the event. That's amazing. Like, God, he still does amazing things. That's some good news right there. But Jesus, he had just finished explaining to these people that he was there to show mercy. He was there to help people, to help them figure out how to be saved from their sins, how to point them to God. And in verse 18, watch what happens. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. And what happened? Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. This guy said, my daughter has just died, but he believed that Jesus could do anything, and so Jesus went with him. But guess who went with him too? Matthew. Jesus was restoring who he was meant to be. And if you look at the bad news in this situation for this father, this guy's daughter was just taken from him. Her life was cut short. All of her family dreams for her were destroyed, but this daughter believed that his but this dad believed that his daughter's demise wasn't the end of the story. Why? Like, what confidence, what hope did he have for this? Because he'd heard of a carpenter turned preacher who loved people and helped people and forgave people and healed people. He knew that Jesus changes everything. So this dad walks right up into the middle of this dinner party, says, Hey, Jesus, my daughter has just died. But if you show up, she will live. Whoa. Whoa. What do you and I, what do we need to believe God for like that? Like, man, my job is being phased out, but Jesus, if you show up. My marriage is a wreck, but Jesus, if you show up. My son hasn't talked to me in years, but Jesus, if you show up. Every one of us experience a moment like that in our lives when we need Jesus to show up. One of mine came in 2016. My brother, Brian, is my only brother. He got really sick. He was in the hospital for weeks. And at one point we didn't know if he was gonna make it. And I went to the church one afternoon to work. I was at a really low point because we would kept getting bad news after bad news about his health. And I, I remember walking over with this like storage area in a part of the church building and walked over there just to pray and was like, Jesus, we just we need you to show up. And he did. And because Jesus, he shows up. Jesus shows up. Like whatever your pain, whatever your problem, whatever your predicament, trust Jesus with it, and he will show up in the middle of it. That's not just good news. That's the best news. That's the kind of news that can change anything. Amen? Tell your neighbor Jesus shows up. So while Jesus was on his way to this guy's house where his daughter had died, a sick lady reaches out and touches him. You're probably familiar with the story, but just like this dad, she believed that Jesus was the answer to her problem. Look at verse 20 with me. It says, just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. This lady had been struggling for 12 years. If you read the other gospel accounts of her healing, you would see that she got bad report after bad report from doctor after doctor. For more than a decade, her life had been trapped by bad news. And then what happened? Jesus showed up. Verse 22, Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed the next day, the next year. No, at that moment. For more than a decade, her life had been trapped by bad news, but she was healed in a moment. That was a good moment for her, right? That's a good moment because that was the good news at work. Jesus, he changed everything. He restored her. All right, let's keep reading. Verse 23. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. So what you need to know about what's happening right here is that in the ancient world, three things would happen when they were mourning. First of all, the father, he would like rip his shirt, Hulk Hogan style, like right above his heart to symbolize a broken heart. And as soon as he did that, it was like all this crowd showed up, and they would start crying, and they would start wailing, and all that crying and wailing, that was like the bat signal for the funeral band to show up. All these people would show up at f- with flutes, because that's exactly what everybody wants at their funeral, right, is a bunch of flutes. So all these flutes show up, they start playing all this sad, hopeless music, and they're crying, and they're carrying on, and all this stuff, and that right there was how country music was born. So <laughs> Now, the the crowd, they, they would begin <laughs> crying and playing all their sad songs, and And this all built into a frenzy until it was like a state of pandemonium and confusion. And then Jesus entered. And when Jesus entered, what did he do? Look at verse 25. After the crowd had been put where? (laughs) Outside. What did Jesus do? Before Jesus showed anybody he was the Messiah, he showed everybody he's a pretty good usher on the serve team, right? Like He gave all of the mourners the boot. He got rid of all the distractions, all because a father refused to believe that his daughter's demise was the end of the story. Wow. Think about this. Don't miss this. Think about this for a second. This guy's daughter died. He's at his house. All of these people are mourning and wailing, and all this crazy stuff is going on. It's basically her funeral. And this dad leaves his daughter's funeral to go find Jesus. What? The crowd often rejects the good news. The crowd likes to gather around bad news. Like, Listen, there's a reason why TV news is a multi-billion-dollar industry. Because a crowd likes to gather around bad news. We have to learn as Christians, as believers, in the hope of the good news, we have to learn to reject the crowd. Man, to reject the bad news that tries to permanently attach itself to your life and instead go find Jesus. Right? Find a way to bring Jesus to your problem or to bring your problem to Jesus, just like this guy did, this dad. Let's look at the rest of verses 25 and 26. So Jesus put them outside, and then it says, He went in, took the girl by the hand. She got up and news of this spread through all that region. That's that's good news, especially for that family, right? Listen, we don't know if this dad had witnessed a miracle before. We don't know if the lady with the blood problem had either. But what we do know is that they both saw something amazing happen that day. Why? Because they came to Jesus and their faith was not misplaced. Jesus' actions declared to them, take heart. When he got up to move with this dad to his home, Jesus also declared, take heart, literally with his words, when he spoke to this woman uh, with the blood problem. But to both of them, Jesus became the answer to their problem. And it begs a question of you and I. Where is your heart taking you? Where is your heart taking you? Now, we hear all the time in our culture, in this day and age, we hear things like, hey, follow your heart, which can be terrible advice sometimes, right? But for this dad and for this woman, this sick lady, their hearts led them to Jesus. And they became people who witnessed and experienced and participated in miracles. Well, Where do we need our heart to take us? Like, do you need a miracle? man? don't get distracted by the bad news in this world. Lean toward Jesus. People are pulled in so many different directions in this day and age. If your heart isn't taking you towards Jesus, man, change course. Change course. Because Jesus changes everything. Amen? Just like we see in the next part of this story, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. So Jesus, he's leaving this house and says, as he went on from there, two blind men followed him. And I've always wondered how these guys followed him if they were blind. But you know, so the blind guys are following, they're calling out, Have mercy on us, son of David, son of David, have mercy on us. We know these guys didn't see the miracles that Jesus just performed. They didn't see anything, they're blind but something amazing was going on. And when they finally cornered Jesus, he asks them the exact same question that I believe deep down in my heart that he asks us every time we come to him with our problem. We find it in verse 28. We're gonna read it together and they're going to put it on the screen. All right, piece of this question. It says, do you believe that I am able to do this? The question, do you believe that I am able to do this? You say that with me? Do you believe that I am able to do this? All right, now we're going to do something a little different. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to read this one more time in just a second. But I want you to put your first name in front of this question. Like, Nate, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Except don't say Nate because that would be weird, you know, unless that's your name. <laughs> All right, on three. One, two, three. When Jesus asked these guys, he said Yes healed them. And then Jesus, he throws in like a warning and a pun. So he's just healed a couple blind guys and the very first thing he says to them, he said, see that no one knows about this. Like, come on, Jesus. (laughs) So of course they kept the whole thing a big secret, right? No! How do you keep something like that a secret? Verse 31 says, they went out and spread the news about him all over that region. Because when something amazing happens, like people become interested, but when it happens to you, you want to tell who? Everybody. Why? Because the good news is worth sharing. Good news is worth sharing. These formerly blind guys, like they're still adjusting to being able to see when Jesus is confronted by someone else with an incredible need. Verse 32 says, While they were going out, the blind guys, while they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. So because of this man's affliction, he was not able to speak. He was mute. Yeah, like the mute button on your TV remote. Nothing came out when he tried to talk. And I want you to think about this for just a second. This guy, he, he couldn't speak. He couldn't advocate for himself. He was a living, breathing, walking shell for bad news. Satan had literally stolen his body and his voice. And what did Jesus do? Jesus changed everything for him. Verse 33 says, And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. Like this wasn't some random obscure guy that nobody knew. This was someone's son, someone's brother, someone's friend. And he got his life back. He got his freedom back. He got his voice back. And what did the rest of the verse say? The crowd was amazed and said, Nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. In just the span of a few verses, the crowd went from mourning to amazement. Why? Because Jesus changes everything. Because the good news changes everything. And verse 35 says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And who was right there seeing all of this? Matthew. You look a couple of verses later, you see the list of the disciples. There's a name, right there is Matthew. The good news, it was so personal to Matthew. It meant, it meant so much to him because he had experienced it too, all because Jesus didn't just see a tax collector and say, Oh, sinner, and move on. No, Jesus looked at him, and what did he say? Two words Follow me. Jesus changed everything. And in the span of 14 verses, we see where Jesus healed five people of a wide variety of problems. To this dad, he gave his daughter back, returning what was innocent. To the woman, he stopped what was draining her and gave her back her health. To these two blind guys, he restored their vision for their life. For the last guy, he literally gave him back his voice that could finally speak for himself again. But what do all of these problems have in common? It's the same thing that Jesus did for Matthew. He restored their future. Gave their future back to them because the gospel is not only about being saved from what we've done wrong. It's not only about eternal life with Him in heaven. Although it's about that, it's also about what we will do with our life here and now. So, what do we want to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Well, Matthew wrote about that too. Verse 37 says Then he, Jesus, then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I don't know how long you've been following Jesus, but let me encourage you with something this morning. Man, you are needed. You're needed. There are some unique gifts and abilities that God has entrusted to you. And because of God's gifts to you, there's going to be a harvest around you. That's a huge part of what it means to follow Jesus. Because the good news is worth sharing, man. Jesus, he changes everything. And if you're like me and you've been praying about the things happening around us in our world that we're not a big fan of, listen, there's a strong chance to the, that the answer to that prayer you've been praying about the things in our world, the answer to that prayer is you. Jesus is sending you. Like, there's nothing wrong with a mission trip. I'll go on one again really soon. But you don't have to cross the ocean to share the good news. You can cross the street. You can cross the room. Amen? Amen. Like love God love people tell everybody but they have to choose. We don't get to choose for them. There are rooms where the good news is welcome, there are rooms where the good news is rejected. It's not my job or your job to decide which room is which. It's our job to share the good news. Why? Because the good news changes everything. Jesus changes everything. And to Matthew, the good news it was personal. Jesus saved him. In Matthew's words, this gospel that we've been looking at this morning, man, it's helped to shape the last two thousand years of civilization. Just imagine, imagine what your good news can mean to somebody. Imagine what it can mean to somebody in that cubicle next to you at work or somebody in your friend group or your family or on your team or in your school or that guy you just run into at the grocery store over and over again. Whoever, imagine what it can mean to them when they see in your life the fact that Jesus, he has showed up. Jesus, he's changed everything and that Jesus restores our future Can make all the difference in the world for somebody. Amen. So let's give it a chance. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? I'm going to pray in just a moment, and then we're going to move into a time of response and worship. And... Man, I don't know where you are in your faith, in your life, and, and what's going on with you, but here's what I do know is that whatever the devil meant for evil and for harm, God can turn to good whatever bad news has came in and shook things up and said, okay, this is what life is like. Now Jesus can restore it and wants to restore it. And for some of you that might just mean that there's been some sin that's crept into your life. That's separated you from him. For some of you, it could have been a tragedy, an untold number of things. But if you're here this morning, you would say, "Nay, I, I just need Jesus to come to show up and to restore my future. If that's you, I want to pray for you. We just slip up your hand wherever you are? I'm not going to embarrass anybody or single anybody. I just want to know who I'm praying for. you say saying, I need Jesus to restore something in my future. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Let me pray for you. God, you're so good. I'm so thankful for this moment in Searcy, Arkansas this morning. What an encouraging thing it is to know that you, God, you just changed everything for us. Just like you didn't leave me where I was 20 years ago. You gave me back my future just like you did in Matthew and all the people in this story you're gonna do for the people who just acknowledge the fact that they need you to show up in their life like only you can do. God, I pray that with that, you would bring them back hope and a vision for their life and just the joy of the Lord that would be their strength, the weather, anything that comes their way. We're so thankful for the way that you work and your glorious goodness. You're so good to us, God. Thank you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray today. Everybody said amen. Church, can we just take a second and stand to our feet and just acknowledge God and and worship and spend time with him this morning?